When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, Joe Londrigan and Eric Henry here with you as always. Excited to continue our Beat Writer series today with uh, someone who does a lot of stuff for us as well as 247, covers uh, specifically the FAU Owls on the 247 network, Mr. Kevin Fielder at the Kevin Fielder on Twitter. And uh, do you just make people call you the Kevin Fielder in public as well, Kevin, or how's that work? I've, I've considered it. I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't consider it a little bit more, but no, I, I don't make me, I don't make people refer to me as the Kevin Fielder at all times. I mean, why not? Like if, if I, I had already like established myself as the <laughs> Kevin Fielder on a social media platform, I would absolutely like make people use that all the time. Again, I've, I've, I've definitely considered it and you know, maybe I should start doing it and just, you know, just, just walk around and if people try and say Kevin, just go, no, it's the Kevin Fielder kind of like Ohio state and just, just see if it can catch on. Yeah, I mean, Eric makes me do that when I talk to him. It's it's like, no, it's the Eric Henry, actually. <laughs> that one doesn't shock me. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that was going around saying. What I what I do make him say is the C. You know, my name is not complete without the middle of pretentious middle initial. So that is factual. But I do not make you say the Eric Henry. What's, what's the C, Steph? I mean, I know what it stands for, but what's it stand for? Uh, it's not for your middle. It's Okay. It, it it really depends on who you're asking and time of day. I mean, if you ask me that in in college, you know, there probably people would say the C would stand for a myriad of things. But in uh, <laughs> my adulthood, uh, it, it's just my middle initial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a story over late night Waffle House at some point. I'm sure. Undoubtedly. All right. All right. Before we get too sidetracked and this just evolves into you two talking trash about the hockey playoffs, uh, let's dive into some FAU football. Uh, Kevin, obviously, the big story with FAU this offseason was uh, Willie Taggart's uh, legal situation uh, between the stuff that happened at Oregon and the stuff that has actually happened at FAU. Uh, What's the feeling internally following um, that whole situation? I think it's it's time, you know, after that has happened and it seems for the most part to be to be over with. Obviously, things can change as the offseason continues. I think now it's time to, you know, for them, it's time to focus on football. It's time to focus on FAU football and, you know, building FAU into a team that can, you know, make a bowl game this season, compete for a conference championship and and build upon the, the struggles that they had last season as a program. Have any of the players made any sort of public comments surrounding, you know, some of the statements that came out during that whole process? I I haven't seen any public statements in terms of you know support or anything. I, I obviously there were a couple former players that were involved in the lawsuit. Uh, you know, particularly uh, one of the backup punters from last season who had since entered the transfer portal. But in terms of current players on the roster, I, I hadn't I haven't seen anything from anyone. 
you know, that, that was a, a public statement of any kind. Gotcha. So you mentioned the amount of uh, veterans that are coming back from this team and looking to build on uh, what they had last season and uh, specifically correct the mistakes that they made. What does it mean to have the amount of veterans that they do this season? Uh, Nikosi Perry um, and some of the other transfers who have a significant amount of games under their belt. I think it's critical because, you know, you talk about last season, a lot of the times the message that Willie Taggart had for the media and had for people was this is still a young team. You know, there were, there were so many guys who either didn't get much playing time at former schools or frankly were freshmen or true freshmen or, you know, those, those second year uh, freshmen or those uh, third year sophomores, just not a lot of guys with, you know, a, a plethora of playing experience and, you could tell that that eventually did become a problem. Uh, you know, later in the year, I think it might have been something of just not having the veteran leadership of some other times. And, you know, you, you start to drop a few games and everything kind of just starts to uh, collapse under you. Uh, and this season, I think that may not be similar because you return your starting quarterback, uh, you know, which you didn't really get the luxury of doing much last season, given that, you know, frankly, the year before they didn't have a, a true quarterback two years ago. Um, you know, you return uh, you, your starting center, Nick Weber, who is one of the team captains. You return a lot of players on defense. Those things are going to be important when you get into those those middle and end season games when you, you, you need a leader to step up and, and start to make plays. And I think they finally have a good group of leaders who can step up and make those plays. I want to ask you about one of those guys in particular, uh, transfer linebacker Jamie Petway from Missouri. Uh, he's going to be in a big role, obviously, playing the uh, the middle linebacker spot for them. Uh, what should the expectations for him realistically be this season? Yeah, I think uh, that was a big thing that they did in the offseason was they went out and they got, I believe, three linebackers. It was Morvin Joseph out of Tennessee. It was Petway out of Missouri, and it was uh, Jaleel McCray out of FSU. And those three are going to be really important for FAU because – you lose a couple linebackers, you lose uh, Caliph uh, Bryce, you lose Kiki Leroy. You know, you have to find ways to replace these guys. And the easiest way to do it is either through internal fixes and personally, you know, Moultrie and Eddie Williams, I think, are good players. But even last season, they, they struggled a bit at times. And guys like Petway, guys like Morvan Joseph are going to be really important for the defense, especially, uh, you know, just kind of keeping, uh, you know, cleaning up mistakes uh, that may happen on the uh, defensive line uh, since the defensive line is particularly still a little bit of a concern for FAU. But, uh, you know, you, you take those linebackers. Uh, I, th- I think Petway, I think Warford Joseph, uh, even Julio McCray, I think are going to have major roles on FAU's defense this year. And I think the expectation f- for them should be to be playing at a, a high level. I don't think it needs to be, you know, to play at an all-conference level, but to play at a consistently high level and not make many mistakes, uh, you know, throughout the year speaking of all conference players uh so fau had no first or second team all conference players last season and kevin i want to ask you does that change this season and if so who do you think makes that cut personally uh you know i I wrote about it when those teams were released i thought it was outrageous that fau didn't have a single player involved uh i think that they will definitely have someone on the first or second team uh you know just names that i look at immediately off the top of my head nose tackle evan anderson who uh, is quite literally, I think, one of the largest men in conference USA football. Uh, I think he's like 345, uh, wears a single digit, which just personally, I think, makes him look a little bit bigger on the field. Uh, you have safety TJ Young, who last season played, I think, out of this world, uh, had a pick six, had multiple interceptions, just made multiple big-time plays at safety for FAU. He returns for, I believe, his junior season. Uh you know, I look in the offensive side of things. It starts with the quarterback and Kosey Perry. We know the talent in Kosey Perry has 
from his time in Miami, even times last season. Uh, if he can put it together consistently with a new scheme, uh, he can definitely be an all-conference contender. Uh, I think, And then uh, I think LeJonte Wester at wide receiver can definitely be a guy who gets you a 1,000 receiving yards uh, you know, and, and gets his way onto one of those all-conference teams. Since you brought it up, Evan, what is your take on linemen wearing single-digit numbers now that that's a thing? I think it's amazing. I think it's I, I think it's just amazing. I, I, I think it's amazing that you can see the, the you know the the defensive linemen who are three hundred twenty five pounds wear something like one and it just I, I, I think it's cool for the game of football. Uh you know, I, I understand that people want the numbers to be balanced and you know, you want the the defensive linemen to wear like a nineties number, but I personally I think we should expand it even further and have and you know, let let the offensive linemen wear single digits. I just think that 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 would be really cool to see like an offensive lineman, uh, you know, like an offensive guard wearing like seven. I think that would just be really cool. I mean, I'd, I've done it in NCAA football before, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> see the problem of not doing it. Yeah, let's let's add letters in there. Let's just make it full on <laughs> full blown algebra equations while we're at it, too. Three um, <laughs> X plus two. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the math majors will love it. Kevin, you were an you were an FAU student. Um, when you look at the hype around this team or lack thereof for the student body this year, how would you characterize it? I know we've talked uh, a bit on on social and with uh, some other FAU folks about just kind of the you know frustration that's been building around this team um, the last couple of years with the record that that Willie Taggart's put up and you know kind of the the drop in overall production since the end of the Lane Kiffin era. But what is kind of the the feel around the the student body and uh, amongst the diehards with this FAU program right now? I think you know amongst the diehards and you know some of those fans that are a little bit more committed to football, I think it's hope. Uh, you know, you you look at this team and you think you know there's no way that they're as bad as they were last year. Uh, you know, and even you look at last year, there was a point where they were competing, you know, up around those top teams in the conference and it just kind of all fell apart late. Uh, you know, but I, I look at certain games last season where they were maybe one or two plays away from things going their way and the season looks completely different. But uh, in terms of hype around the program, and I think a lot of it is based on expectations. And, you know, personally, you look at what Lane Kiffin did for so many years. Uh, you know, winning conference championships, winning bowl games, being the talk of college football at times. People remember that and now want that to kind of be reality. Uh, and personally, you know, there may never be another uh, Lane Kiffin at FAU. You know, and a guy who is that much in the media sphere and that much in terms of well-liked amongst college football. You know, so many guys like Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, so many fans like Lane Kiffin. Um I think that uh, the biggest thing for FAU is just going to be to win football games. You know, students are going to start going to games. Students are going to start caring about the program if there are wins. You know, it's it's a lot easier to market a team that's eight and four as opposed to a team that's four and eight or, or five and seven. You know, it's it's a lot easier to market a team that's within you know competing for a conference title than a team that's fighting to make a bowl game in the last game of the season. And you kind of saw it last year when they were winning games early on in the year, there were fans in the stands and there were people who were excited about the program. As they started to lose games, I think some of those fans who aren't as diehard just kind of started to drop off, uh, you know, but if you start winning, those fans should come back. 
Eric, I want to ask you this as I pass the baton to you for the uh, question portion. You mentioned on Slack you were going to go to the UCF-FAU matchup coming up here. What's your expectation as a, as a UCF alum for the atmosphere at that particular game? Yeah, Joe, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I, I actually do plan on going to that game. Uh, I, I try to at least get to – and it doesn't have to be a UCF game. I try to get to at least one college football game a year as a fan just because, you know, it, it's such a unique environment. Those of us who are college football – you know, reporters and writers and fans in general. Um, but in specificity to that game, Kevin, were you uh, were you a student the last time that game was played in Boca? Oh, God. What yeah. was that, two years ago? Yeah, right? About, yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to say I was a student, frankly. The, the time gets jumbled up when you're <laughs> at, been there for four years. But, uh, yes, I, I do believe I was. And if, if I wasn't, I think I was like an incoming freshman. So might as well have been a student. So, Joe, just, you know, I have to lay that groundwork in answering your question. Anyone who was at that game knows it was a bit of a cluster bleep. Oh, it was. And it was absolutely just a mess. And I, I don't know what happened, Joe, because, again, I've covered plenty of games at FAU. Now, granted, I, I have never covered a sellout at, at FAU. Um, you know, <laughs> for a myriad of reasons, but I've never covered a sellout. That game, as Kevin can attest to, was a sellout. And there were fans who didn't get inside the stadium until, I want to say, like the second quarter. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think there were fans. I think I heard some fans who didn't get until like five minutes left in the second quarter, and they they showed up thirty minutes early expecting to get it, and it was a mess. So, Joe, when you ask me what type of atmosphere <laughs> am I expecting, definitely expecting a rowdy one. Because I mean, listen, the the trip from Orlando to Boca is two hours, depending on how fast you drive. So, I mean, there, there'll be plenty of of UCF, you know, uh, faithful there, but. I do think there's going to be a very, uh, I don't mean tense in a bad way. Just there are a lot of people from, who, from the Orlando side who will make that trip and will remember the struggle it was to get even into FAU Stadium. So that will probably set the tone and the atmosphere for uh, everything else. Yeah, I I think that there will be a very good atmosphere for that game in specific. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a sellout. I think it'll be as close to a sellout as you could potentially get. You know, UCF fans have historically traveled well. Uh, they particularly travel very well in my mentions on on Twitter, but uh, they 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 travel well as as a fan base. <laughs> they are look they're they're a great fan base for college football. They travel very well. Um, they're going to travel to FAU. It's barely a drive. You can make a day trip out of it, or you can make it a weekend trip if you truly want to. Like there there are going to be a lot of UCF fans. I think there will be a lot of just casual college football fans who want a good matchup in F, you know in South Florida that week. I don't know who Miami plays, but you know, I think there will particularly be a good mix of fans from both teams and you know just casual fans. Uh, I, I think you'll be you'll see as close to a slot as you can get uh, you know at FAU. And that's the reason or, or go ahead Joe, did you want to um piggyback off that or can I uh, No, I was no, I was just going to say the blood alcohol level in Boca is going to be very high <laughs> that weekend, but yes. No, that that that's undoubtedly a fact, and that's also a reason Kevin makes mention of the reason why I wanted to go to that game specifically. FIU is off. I believe UM is out of South Florida that weekend as well, so should be a pretty raucous environment. Kevin, got to ask you, this is a very pertinent question. Uh, is it indeed still time to hunt? Uh, oh, I, I don't appreciate that I one. I, I, I knew it was coming. I, you, you I told knew me this one was coming. Uh, no, it's unfortunately still not time to hunt. Uh, I, I think you guys just may own our stadium and, and own our team. Uh, I, I, oh. I think if you go to Wikipedia, it'll just say owner Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> I apologize to our listeners. I had to sneak that one in. Here's a serious The Panthers story. have Kodak Black, though. The Panthers have Kodak <laughs> They do win in terms of celebrity fans, but in terms of on-ice performance, not so much. Anyhow, Joe, just go there and stay in Portland, please. All right. So to <laughs> back to my line of questions before I was really interrupted. Kevin, I, I, I want to lean to something you mentioned with Joe, right, um, in talking about the atmosphere around the program. And you mentioned that, in your opinion, that there won't ever be another Lane Kiffin-like, uh, you know, type of environment around the head coach at FAU. And listen, I know I'm putting you as in a bad spot as someone who covers you know, FIU, I, I kind of hate the comparison question between coaches, but I, I do have to ask because I find it interesting. When you look at the career trajectory of Lane Kiffin and of Willie Taggart and the way their careers have played out, there, there are more similarities than there are differences. Yeah. Um, so I guess I to put that in the form of a question, Kevin, can Willie Taggart not be that type of beloved person? Or is it just, you know, was there just a – uh, a time and place with Lane getting to FAU um, when the program was coming off of the Willie part, uh, Willie part, the Charlie Partridger, and uh, that won't ever, that won't ever be able to be replicated. It's interesting because I think if you ask five different people, you'll hear five different answers. Personally, I think Lane Kiffin and Willie Taggart are different figures in college football. Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin had obviously been famously fired on the tarmac at USC. You know, he's always been involved in the news he kicked a 70 yard field goal with the oakland raiders uh, you know the game before he was fired uh you know just there's a there's a lane kiffin story everywhere willie taggart on the other on the other hand and i don't know how much of this is truly true to willie taggart but he's not as well liked in terms of college football you know you, you look at the fsu fan base they obviously don't like him because the success on the field wasn't there uh, you know, you, uh, I don't know what the organ of fans' opinions are, but I don't know if they truly like him as well because he left so early. Uh, you know, I, they're just two kind of different figures. Uh, I think in terms of for FAU fans, there's definitely a chance that Willie Taggart can reach that Lane Kiffin figure. Uh, you know, if you win two conference championships here, you know, you go to the American and you win a conference championship or something along those lines, FAU fans will appreciate you. You know, it, it'll be the thing you know, of like, oh, well, you know, what Lane Kiffin did was great, but he won us, he won us a conference championship in the American, you know, and you'll hear conversations like that. But, you know, in terms of just being on the same figures level, like Lane Kiffin is just a completely different character. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's even a character in college football quite like him, uh, you know, in terms of always being in the news for whatever reason. Like, he's just really good at being Lane Kiffin. Yeah, you know, again, it's it's interesting you make the notes there in terms of Willie Taggart, you know, not so being liked. And again, uh, I, I won't push that any further because all that can do is put Kevin in a bad spot. So I'll save my own editorial for a, another podcast. But uh, if you want to stick with the coaching staff, Kevin, you know, much simpler question for you. So here, this should be uh, a bit less tedious. Can you talk about the additions, uh, especially uh, on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball with Brent Dearman, Chad Lunsford, and of course on the defensive side of the ball with Todd Orlando, you get three veteran coaches. Obviously, Brent Dearman was in conference coming from Middle Tennessee. Chad Lunsford, uh, a veteran coach coming from Georgia Southern, and Todd Orlando with a lot of experience, experience as well. Just talk about what that brings to the program. Yeah, I, I think it's really important for FAU. Uh, you know, last season, FAU obviously struggled on offense at times, and, uh, you know, Brent Dearman almost famously beat FAU to prevent them from making a bowl game. And, you know, he did so with a third string and fourth string quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I've spoken to a couple former players at Brent Dearman. They all speak super highly of him. 
Uh, you know, they they all rant and rave about him as a as a coach, as a person, as a as a family man. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be huge for FAU in developing the quarterbacks that they have on the roster and building an offense that's a little bit more sustainable. Uh, you know, on the defensive side, Todd Orlando has coached at USC, has coached at Texas. Uh, I believe he coached at FIU. I, I don't remember for sure, but I believe he had a very brief stint at FAU or FIU, excuse me. Um, coached at Utah State, he's coached across the state or uh, across the country, and he's had success at all those places. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously been varied success at the the Power Five level with Texas and USC, but he's a great defensive coordinator. He's going to run a defense, uh, you know, in the three three five that really fits what FAU wants to do. Uh, Chad Lunsford obviously brings head coaching experience, uh, you know, and I think that's important to have on the staff as well. Uh, and then you look at some of those younger uh, coaches that they hired, particularly, uh, you know, on the defensive side of things, Brandon Harris and uh, Derek Gibson, the cornerback and safeties coach. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people who speak really highly of Derek, uh, Derek Gibson while he was coaching uh, high school at Miami Killian and Brandon Harris. Uh, I've heard a lot of people speak really highly of him too, you know, particularly recruits who are being recruited by him. I think you're going to see a lot of success in that staff, uh, you know, going forward. Yeah, first off, just to piggyback off the point you made, Todd Orlando was with FIU 2011 yeah. <laughs> to 2012 as a defensive coordinator. And it's interesting, you know, obviously I had a chance to work with Brandon Harris, or not work with Brandon Harris, but I should say cover uh, Brandon Harris last year at FIU, definitely an up-and-coming rising coach. So uh, pretty interesting to see him switch sides of the Shula Bowl rivalry. Want to take it to the team on the field. Joe talked about Nikosi Perry and some of the other guys. I, I want to start with the running back situation. And Johnny Ford seems to be the bell cow back, seems to be the guy who is of most favor. But FAU did lose a fair amount of veteran I wouldn't say veteran depth in the running back room. Just talk about that a little bit. You know, Malcolm Davidson seemed to have fallen out of favor. You know, some of the other guys have moved on and graduated. Just talk about what that running room, running back room looks like with Johnny Ford being the main guy. Yeah, I, I think if Johnny Ford is uh, playing, he's going to be the, the bell cow back, and he's going to be the guy you rely on a lot because he was the guy you relied on a lot last season, and he clearly proved it. Behind him, uh, Marvin Scott the third, uh, a transfer from Nebraska, uh, Obviously played, did not play a lot at Nebraska, but did have some playing time, uh, scored a touchdown while there. You know, he's going to be a back that's going to be a really good backup back. I think this season compared to last season, I think last season you may have had a couple more bodies that you, that obviously had past success. Malcolm Davidson, uh, James Charles was, you know, a good leader and was a good pass blocker and particularly a good receiving back. Larry McCammon had some success as a power back. This season, I think Marvin Scott could be the starting running back if you needed him to be. You know, I, I think he kind of is that jack of all trades running back. He can catch the ball at the backfield. He can run. Uh, you know, he's got a little bit of speed to him. Uh, those kind of things that you want to look for out of a starting running back. Uh, outside of him, I really like Subari Mobley. Uh, you know, a uh, a second year, a redshirt freshman uh, from Miami Northwestern originally. He was a guy who got some playing time late last season. Uh, you know, and I think impressed a little bit in those uh, in those carries. I think he'd be a really good third running back for FAU. Kelvin Dean has scored some for FAU, uh, just hasn't really been able to find his way in the field. But I think overall, while the group may not be as deep as it has been previously, I think you may see a little bit more top end talent, which may be beneficial for FAU, uh, you know, looking forward to knowing that you have two running backs that you can definitely rely on in Johnny Ford and Marvin Scott and then guys behind them that could really turn it on, uh, you know, if you gave them the carries. So that's a segue into a question that, I wasn't sure if I was going to ask, but I think you kind of touched on it. So I think it begs a follow up. Kevin, uh, for anyone listening to this podcast, you know, knows or frequent listeners know that I'm, I'm a fan of Willie Taggart. If my, you know, uh, 
answers earlier when the Lane Kiffin, Willie Taggart comparison didn't give that away. But something that I was somewhat critical of him, and I kind of want your thoughts on this, is his management of the backs over the past two years. Uh, you talked about the fact that maybe this this year's group seems to be a little bit top heavy and not necessarily going to have the depth. Just in general, Johnny Ford is what five five, a buck ninety five, yeah. and it's not the same. Right. That's not to say he can't hold up and take the, the you know, the the punishment, so to speak. He's done well. He had success at South Florida as a freshman, had success last year. But I just look at the numbers here. Johnny Ford had over twice as many carries as the next back, which was Malcolm Davidson. Do you think that maybe there's room to kind of divide the carries a little bit more? Or does it just make sense to say, hey, you know, Johnny's our guy and, and you know, he's going to help us in the receiving game. Obviously, he can catch the ball in the backfield. Let's just ride him and, and you know, see where the see where that takes us. I think you'll absolutely see a little bit more balance this season. Uh, last season, I thought they should have balanced it a little bit more. Uh, that was constantly a question we would ask Willie Taggart and Michael Johnson, uh, senior, uh, last season's offensive coordinator. I don't know if we ever got a full response. It might have just been, you know, some guys were hurt, uh, you know, when they wanted to play or they didn't fit the scheme or whatever the, the answer was on any given week. I thought personally they should have, you know, balance it out a little bit more because you could see at times that Johnny Ford, as good as he wasn't as talented as he was, would either start to slow down or, you know, would take a couple, you know, bang up injuries. You know, he, he would bruise a wrist or something and be out for a series or two. And, uh, you know, this season, I think you'd, I'd like to see them definitely really rely on Johnny Ford. You you have to, if he's playing, he's, you know, arguably your most talented back. Uh, you know, Marvin Scott, I think is a guy who you can definitely give 10 to 15 carries to if you need him to. Uh, but I'd also like to see them go a little bit deeper, give carries to, uh, you know, Zuberi Mobley, give carries to Larry McCammon at certain points. Uh, you know, I think that there is definitely a situation where you can have a, a time. And, you know, if FAU and Willie Taggart has constantly talked about wanting to play running back by committee, uh, you know, then let's make it a running back by committee. Let's give multiple guys the ball and, and let's give them chances to get hot and, you know, give them a series or two in a row and, and see if potentially – they can just catch fire at the right time and you can ride that hot hand for a game as opposed to just needing to rely on Johnny Ford at all times. I want to go to the defensive side of the ball. And you touched on Evan Anderson, certainly one of my favorite players in all of Conference USA, again, a mountain of a man. But uh, I want to go to someone who I think has potential to really be a breakout player. And I want to get your thoughts on it. Chris Jones, uh, where can he factor in in terms of being a, a, an excellent pass rusher and kind of you know, helping out with Jalen Joyner and, and, you know, really providing a pass rush for FAU this year. Yeah, it was interesting last year because I thought Chris Jones may have played in a role that really wasn't fit for him. And it may have just been necessity. Uh, you know, last season, the depth on defense wasn't necessarily where it should be. Uh, but I think if you kind of, uh, I think he's going to be a little bit more at a weight that fits him a little bit better. Uh, you know, I think he might've been playing a little bit too heavy at times last season. And then you kind of tell that he would, not have that same explosive that you saw out of him out of high school, but he is a very talented pass rusher. Uh, you know, he there there were times last season where he would just get in the backfield and and cause disruption, and that's really what FAU needs. Uh, you know, last season they just didn't create the pass rush that you expect out of top level college football programs. I think their leading sack had a uh, sack getter was oh God, I think it was Jalen Joyner with four sacks or, or something along those lines. But there there wasn't a guy that you could really rely on last season, and then you look two years past. Uh, with Leighton McCarthy and Jalen Joyner, those guys just tore teams apart. And it was, you know, it was a, a sense that they, they would get a sack on any given drive. Uh, I think this season in particular, I think you'll see a little bit more pass rush depth. Guys like Chris Jones, guys like Cordy McBride, guys who you can definitely rely on. Uh, I really like Chris Jones. I think that if he's playing at a weight that fits him a little bit better and he's, you know, kind of at a in a situation where he can play as a, a stand-up guy or even in the dirt a little bit more, uh, he can definitely be a guy who 
turns heads for FAU fans. Got one more question as far as guys on the field and then want to take it to, to a broader look at the schedule. Kevin, when you look at the secondary, I mean, you talk about TJ Young, and obviously he's one of the top safeties in CUSA, as you made mention. Definitely a, a bit of a snub that he was not uh, on the, you know, didn't make any of the all-conference teams. I think um, Grayson Cash was the guy who got selected over him, and, you know, that's certainly a point that I can argue. Look, personally, I didn't understand it, but I'm not the one who gets to vote, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I do want to ask you this. Outside of TJ Young, um, who are going to be some of the guys? Because we've seen some of the veterans from the really the past few years, you know, whether it's due to transfer or graduate, no longer with the program. Guys like Amon Ross, guys like Jordan Helm, uh, Zion Gilbert. So where does the secondary sit? I'm sure, you know, guys like Smoke Mungin and others will will step up. But just give us some names of guys in the secondary to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Smoke Munch, and I think he's going to start on the edge or one of the boundaries. And last season, I think, uh, you know, after Deshaun Moss went out, uh, you know, with a shoulder injury, he was a guy who really stood out. He finally got his first interception, uh, you know, after being so close, it seemed like 50,000 times the year before. But he's a guy who can just flat out make plays, uh, you know, and teams would start to challenge him a little bit last season because of Zion Gilbert on the other side, and he would make a play. He would constantly be able to make a play. He's a little bit shorter. Uh, you know, that's kind of a theme for FAU's cornerback room. Uh, you know, another guy that I really like is Central Michigan transfer, just recently transferred in Damon Hill. Uh, you know, he's a guy who played a little bit at Central Michigan, actually got some significant playing time across two seasons. Um, but he's going to be a guy who I think starts on the other uh, boundary side. Those two, I think, can form a formidable cornerback group and one that, you know, if they stay healthy, can definitely be a, a group that can help FAU, uh, you know, in a position of, Somewhat concerned last season, uh, you know, after Z- uh, after Deshaun Moss went out, you you kind of saw that FAU's cornerback room wasn't always consistently playing at a high level. Uh, you know, replacing Jordan Helm isn't going to be easy. Uh, you know, a lot of people called him the coach on the field. You know, that was constantly a thing that was talked about was, you know, he, he was a guy who knew every play call, uh, you know, who, a guy you can rely on to constantly make plays. I think Amani Eli Adams is going to be kind of the first guy to take over that job. And Last season played pretty well at times, and you know there were even times where they would go three safeties and have him on the field with Helm and Young. But you know it's definitely going to be a concern of trying to replace him. And if you know if there's an injury in that room, I think you're going to see some struggles out of the safety room. Uh, you know, particularly playing alongside T.J. Young. Last one here for you, Kevin. I, I got to ask you. You know, when taking a look at the schedule here for FAU. Definitely some things that intrigue me, and I definitely want to get your thoughts as far as, you know, what the expectation is in terms of really what this, you know, A, what a successful season should be like, and B, just what are some kind of the games that really stand out to you? I mean, you take a look at at opening up with Charlotte, then you have Ohio, Southeastern Louisiana, and UCF. I don't know about you, Kevin. I'm a big believer in kind of taking the season in quarters, right? You know, yeah, or, I, I agree. But you kind of get a feel for your team there. So just kind of, you know, with the, the schedule release or the, the the kickoff time release, I should say, today. Um, but when you take a look at this schedule, I mean, what is in your mind? And I'm not asking you to predict a record right now, but just in general, what do you think is, is really the ceiling for this team? And what do you think is the floor? I mean, I think the ceiling is a conference championship. I think they have as much talent as anyone in Conference USA if they can find a way to put all the talent together. Uh, I think the floor is, uh, you know, one of those six and six, seven and six bowl games, uh, you know, where you kind of just barely sneak into a bowl game. Uh, you know, if things don't entirely go your way and the the offensive continues to struggle, which has been a, a theme under Willie Taggart. Uh, 
I think realistically you fall somewhere a little bit more in the middle. Uh, you know, I don't think that they're going to, you know, personally, I think that there are a lot of great teams in Conference USA this year. You look at teams like UTSA and UAB. Uh, I think FAU can definitely be like one of the top four or top three teams in the conference. Uh, you know, I think they're going to be a team that late in the season, you're looking at potential ways that they can find a way into the conference tour, uh, championship game. Uh, in terms of games that really stand out to me, uh, you know, you, you obviously UCF, you want to see where you measure against a team that's going in the Big 12. Uh, Purdue next. Those two games are going to be, I think, kind of critical to see where they stand. Uh, but, you know, other games that stand out to me, UTEP, UAB, there's a stretch of two games there, uh, you know, in back-to-back weeks. UTEP, I think, were was one of my surprise teams last year in the fact that they played really well, uh, you know, constantly last season. UAB is going to be a team that's competing for conference uh, for, for the conference championship game. Those four games, uh, you know, if FAU can find a way to win three of them, uh, you know, or even win two of them, but look like a competitive team in all of them, it's going to be clear that they're not what they were last season and that, and that they're a better team. They're a more improved team. They're a team that is overall a little bit more complete as a, as a unit, as opposed to having a lot of kind of like top players, but didn't know where they really fit together, uh, you know, consistently. Kevin, as you know, before we get ready to, you know, close up this podcast, got to have a little bit of fun with you. So want to play a little bit of rapid fire here with you. Want to ask you a, a couple questions. Want to start here with this, Kevin. Um, Favorite sports memory that you've had as, you know, you've been a professional, even though you're still a student, the favorite sports memory as a professional and favorite sports memory as a fan. As, as a professional, it's the Boca Bowl. Uh, you know, I think that was now two years ago or something, uh, you know, them winning that Boca Bowl. I think a lot of people didn't expect them to because, you know, they just didn't have, uh, you know, they had a lot of guys out with suspension and, and injury as a fan. Jeez. Uh, um in college football, I think it's, uh, you know, Miami, Notre Dame a few years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm a Miami fan, so them kind of beating Notre Dame in a game or, you know, college game day, uh, prime time. As an FAU guy, I still think it's, uh, you know, that first Boca Bowl uh, you, uh, against North Texas, or, or uh, the, the conference championship, rather, against North Texas that kind of, I think, solidified FAU as a contender in the conference, uh, you know, back then. Most memorable press conference. Oh, geez. Uh, Lane Kiffin's last press conference was definitely memorable. And it, it kind of boils down to me asking him, uh, you know, how does this win compare to wins against Notre uh, Alabama or, you know, game, games at Alabama? And, you know, Lane Kiffin loves to choke around with the media. And I, I think that was definitely a very unique press conference for, for Lane Kiffin because we had all known he was leaving, but it was still Lane Kiffin in a way. And it was kind of Lane Kiffin on his way out. It was Lane Kiffin trying to, to be Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, one last time. And last one here for you, Kevin, this one's specific to you. You know, that you, uh, I would say recently turned 21, but you are of, <laughs> of legal drinking age now. Uh, what was the first beverage you had legally? Of course you didn't do this prior to being 21. Uh, the first adult <laughs> beverage you had illegally, Kevin. Uh, legally it was, I think it was a Sam Adams at like 1am the day that I turned 21. And then, I think after that, it was a, an old fashioned at a, at a bar down here. I think that was the first one. I'm if if I can remember it properly. What type of old fashioned? Just just a normal old fashioned with with whiskey and uh, you know just the the grinds and the, the rinds and stuff. Not nothing too special there. Okay, yeah. can't be mad, Joe. I, Kevin, he's still got some time to explore. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, a twenty one year old ordering an old fashioned. I'm mildly impressed that you had that kind of. <laughs> that kind of taste and dignity yeah i mean oh joe you've never met kevin kevin is equally 40 
<laughs> I might as well be a 40 year old man in, in a 20 year old body. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. You're halfway to being the appropriate age to live where you live, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kevin, can't thank you enough for your time, man. Uh, once again, on Twitter and uh, other social media at the Kevin Fielder, uh, in addition to covering the AAC with Underdog Dynasty, uh, covers the FAU Owls for the 247 Sports Network. Uh, highly recommend following his work as always. Wow. And if you want to follow Eric and myself, it's at Eric C. Henry underscore and at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore on Twitter. And of course, at Underdog Dynasty every day for more G5 football content like how I enunciated that there. I did. Anyway, um, happy football watching, everybody. We'll talk to you very soon. Make sure you leave a review, please. I need the validation. Bye.